0: If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, using one of the Bibles in the rack in front of you. I think it's page 1039. 1039. You know, we are a Bible church, and we call ourselves Bible people, Bible Christians. But I think that means more than just uh, uh, being certain that the Bible is true and reliable and valuable Uh, that certainly is the case and and to be a Bible person is certainly cannot be less than that Uh, I I believe though being a Bible Church or a Bible person means more than just uh, our knowledge about the Bible it's it's not just that we have uh, studied the Bible and that we're familiar with its doctrines and its teachings and its history as important as that is but I believe to be a Bible Church to be a Bible person means that we hold our lives up next to the standard of the Bible the standard of truth found in the Bible, and we see the areas in our lives where there is a difference. We we see the the space between how we live our lives, between the attitudes that we have and what is portrayed in Scripture, and where we see that there is a difference, we work hard to change our lives, to wrap our lives around the Bible such that our lives would mimic, would imitate, would be the same as as what we read in Scripture, that makes us a Bible church and a Bible person. And so over the last five weeks, we've been focusing on the family. Or or for the next couple of weeks, it'll be five weeks all total, we're focusing on the family and on marriage. And our goal is not just to give worldly advice, uh, tips for how to have a happier marriage, Uh, and, And our goal is not just to give Bible information so that you would know more about what the Bible says, just to treat the Bible like it were history or literature. But our goal through this series is that we could see what the Bible says is the standard for family and for marriage, and then look and see what really happens in our homes behind closed doors, and where there is a difference that we would make changes. And so we're going to do that again today. Uh, So five weeks all total, but we said that two weeks in the middle of this, we would focus on what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter five. This is one of the most important texts on marriage because it tells us what is the role of a husband and what is the role of a wife. This is controversial, this is often misunderstood, but it's essential if we're gonna have a godly marriage that is stable, that'll bring us joy, that'll bring our children joy, that will produce further godly marriages, we need to know what is the role of a husband and the role of a wife. And so we've been working our way through Ephesians chapter five, where this uh, is found. Last week, we read through the entire passage and we looked at it from the perspective of a husband. What should a husband do in order for his family, for his marriage to be a godly, successful marriage? Today, we're going to look at the same verses, but we're going to look at them from the perspective of wives. What does a wife need to do to have a godly marriage. You know, it's interesting. Most people think that the one thing that would make their marriage better is for their spouse to change. Raise your hand if you think that's true. (laughs) Most of us think that if my spouse would just do such and such, I would have a better marriage. Well, that's not how the Bible approaches these subjects. The question is me. What do I need to do in order to have a godly marriage. Now, I know before we get into the, the details of this, I know there are many people here who are not married. Uh, some of you are yet to be married. You will one day be married. Some of you will not. Uh, so you might be asking, what's in it for me? Well, uh, if you're yet to be married, uh, this is the best time for you to hear this, Right? Uh, you don't want to have to make a course correction in the middle, you want to start going the right direction. And we're going to show you today from scripture what is the right direction. Uh, but if you're not going to be married, because, for, for, for whatever reason, there, there would be a lot of different categories and a lot of different reasons. Uh, how is this beneficial to you? Well first of all, it's God's word. And we ought to study and know and celebrate everything in God's word. But also we have people in our lives who are married. And we should seek to be a godly influence to them, whether they're children or grandchildren or their friends. We need to be a godly influence. And to do that, we need to know what God's word says about the roles of husbands and the roles of wives in an ideal, God-blessed marriage. So let's, let's talk about this from the, from the perspective of wives today. Uh, in, instead of just starting by reading the entire passage, I think we'll just read a little bit at a time as we go through here, since we read the, the full passage last week. Um, but let's, you know, really before I get there, I left something out. Let me sum up what we said last week about husbands because uh, maybe this is your first week uh, or maybe you have a short memory and uh, husbands sometimes have short memories uh, l- let's let's highlight last week and so if you're looking at Ephesians 5 one verse really sums it up for men verse 25 husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so men what is it that you should do you should love your wife just like Christ loved the church. Now, how did Christ love the church? Well, he served the church. He put the church first. He sacrificed for the church. And for you to love your wife like Christ loved the church means you'll do all of those things. That means that the most important person in your household is your wife. That you put her first, her preferences first, her needs first, her pleasure first, her comfort first. That your wife comes first. Men love your wives like Christ loved and served the church. Now we get, to the, we get to the perspective of wives. Number one, what should a wife do in order to have a godly family? She should be submissive submissive now let 's read and study before we react uh, verse twenty two ephesians five 's god 's word. He says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Now many people chafe at these, uh, at these verses. What in the world does it mean when it says wives submit? I don't like that. I think it should say husbands should submit, some people would suggest. What does it mean when it says wives submit? Well, I think there are two reasons why people push back against this. One is because often we just misunderstand what God's word is saying, and we're gonna to try to clear some of that up today. But I think much of the pushback especially among Christian women, is that we just misunderstand. You misunderstand what the Bible means. It means something. It doesn't mean nothing. It means something and something significant. But we need to know precisely what it means when it says wives are to submit in everything. The the second reason why I think ladies push back at this is the same reason men push back at putting their wives first. Uh, We are sinful. We are selfish. we, We tend to look at the world as if everything revolved around us. And so it's hard for a man to love his wife like Christ loved the church. And it's hard for a woman to be submissive sometimes to her husband as uh, the church is submissive to Christ. And so let's see if we can work through those two things. What exactly does it mean that a woman should submit to her husband? Well, let me start by telling you what it doesn't mean. First of all, it doesn't mean that a woman or a wife is in any way inferior. It doesn't mean that she has less value, that she has less ability, or that she is in any way less significant than her husband. The Bible throughout its pages talks about roles for men and roles for women and never does it say that one is superior to the other, that one is inferior to the other, that one has greater value, lesser value, greater ability or lesser ability. That's not what this is speaking about. And so there's no, there's no Bible data that's gonna tell us that men or women are greater or more significant than the other. The second thing that it does not mean It does not mean that the wife is to be the domestic servant of her husband. Uh, The Bible doesn't say, men, sorry, it doesn't say who's supposed to wash the dishes. It doesn't say who's supposed to wash the clothes or mop the floor or fold or do any of those other things. Now, in your family, it may work out one way or it may work out another way, but the Bible does not assign those tasks to either person. In fact, if you wanted to look for Bible Data to support one or the other, it would be easier to find data for the man to do those things because it says the man is to be the servant of the woman than it would be to find that the woman should do those things. Now, I'm not assigning them just like the Bible is not assigning those tasks. Your family will work like your family works, but when it says that a woman is to submit, it is not saying that she is the domestic servant of the husband or of the family. The third thing it does not mean is that a woman should stay in any kind of abusive situation. Now, if you've been following the news in recent weeks, you know that at the very best, uh, some, some Baptist ministers have used some unwise words to discuss this. At the, uh, if you look at it from a, from a different perspective, you might say they just absolutely said the wrong thing. So let me be very careful with my words. Ladies, there is no biblical admonition or counsel for you to ever stay in an abusive situation. If you're being abused, you should get out now. If you fear you're going to be abused, you should get out now. I have never counseled a woman and I never would counsel a woman to stay in an abusive situation. If you're in an abusive situation, and you have difficulty leaving for whatever reason, reach out to one of your ministers, reach out to one of your pastors. We will help you get out of an abusive situation, whatever we can do. This that we read in Ephesians five is not suggesting a woman should ever stay in an abusive situation. So sometimes people will ask, well pastor, what exactly is an abusive situation? When I mean, what does it mean? And maybe maybe when some of these remarks have been made in the news and in the press in recent weeks, there have been some confusion about that. So let me give you my definition. This isn't a legal definition, but this is a safety definition. Ladies, if you believe you're being abused, then that's abuse. Okay? Maybe not legally. I mean, maybe there's some things that we need to work on, but if you believe you're being abused, you need to get out. Nobody else needed to define what abuse is in that relationship. First, safety, you need to get out. These verses don't say that a woman should ever stay in an abusive situation. So what does it mean? It means something. It says wives should submit in everything. What does that mean? Well, let's talk about the act of submitting, and then let's talk about the attitude of submitting because uh, it, it takes really, I think, both of those categories to understand this the act of submitting. What does it mean for a woman to submit? In a word, it means that a woman trusts. It means that at the end of the day, a woman trusts her husband. Now, how does this work out practically in marriage? Well, it means when there's a decision that needs to be made, that uh, the husband and wife talk about it that they debate it, that they they flesh it out, that they do the pros and cons, that they ask questions, that they spend time, that they seek consensus about it. Uh, Men, if you ignore your wife's advice, if you ignore her point of view, if you ignore her feelings about something, you are doing yourself and the family a disservice. You married somebody smarter than you, take advantage of it, okay? So it means that a husband and wife will work out and talk out every decision that comes before them, but at the end of the day, the wife trusts the husband. My family and I were deciding a year and a half ago whether or not to to move to Texas, to leave Ohio and move to Texas. We were perfectly happy in Ohio, but felt like God might want us to move to Texas. We talked about it from every angle. We did the pros and cons. We talked about what it, how it would affect this part of our lives and how it would affect this part of our family. We talked about it until we were blue in the face. I mean, there wasn't one part of that that we didn't talk it to death. But in the end, my wife said, Noel, I trust you. I trust you. What does it mean for a wife to submit? It means at the end of the day, you trust your husband. When I am counseling with men and women who are about to be married, I try to explain this to them. And I tell the man that if you're going to love your wife in a Christian way, if you're going to have a Christian marriage, you need to put your wife's interests first. This this marriage is not about your happiness. It's not about you getting your way. It's about putting her first. And if you won't put her first, if that's not your commitment, don't marry her. And then I turn to the woman, and I say, to have a Christian marriage means at the end of the day, you trust him, that that, that you're going to have input, that you're just as smart, that you're just as valuable, that your input is just as important, but at the end of the day, you trust him. And if you don't trust him, don't marry him. The Bible assigns these roles, a woman is to trust, and a man is to sacrifice and serve. What does it mean to submit it means to trust. The act of submission is the act of trusting. Now, now have you ever wondered what is the more difficult role? Uh, who, who's got the toughest assignment? Men who are assigned the role of sacrificing and serving or uh, the women who have the role of trusting in the end? Well, I think that's a pretty good question, but, uh, but, but, but here's the answer. If you love one another, then those are easy things to do. Now my marriage isn't the perfect or the model marriage, but I, I love my wife. And so putting my wife first is not a hard thing for me to do. Now if I didn't love her, that would be very difficult. If I didn't care for her, if she wasn't uh, the focus of my love, then it would be hard to put her first. I would fight against that. And my wife loves me. It's not hard, I don't think. You can ask her when the service is over perhaps. Um, <laughs> It's not hard for her to submit, for her to trust. In the end, she loves me. And, and so th- this is the, the byproduct of genuine love, but it's also the target. It is the task of every man to sacrifice and serve and every woman to trust in the end. So that's the act of submitting. But let's talk about the attitude of submitting. Because sometimes people will have the act right. They'll, they'll submit, they'll trust in the end. But the attitude is their problem. And so when there is a, um, a disagreement, uh, the wife's attitude will be, well, in the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust, but in the meantime, <laughs> I'm going to nag and nag and nag and nag until finally I get an answer I can trust. See, it's not just the act, it's the attitude. It's the same thing for men. And and so I'm I'm the leader of my family, but that doesn't mean that I have the attitude, Don and I, we've got to make a decision. Now sit down, let me tell you what it's going to be, okay? men, that's the wrong attitude, and that's not going to engender a whole lot of trusting. Well, ladies, you don't need to sit down and say, okay, I want to trust you in the end, but I'm going to make this process so miserable that I'm going to get my way in the end. Listen to the way the book of Proverbs says it. Proverbs 27, 15, an endless dripping on a raining day and a nagging wife are just alike. Uh, Now, I'm reading God's word. Uh, Don't don't shoot the messenger. Proverbs 25, 24, better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. Uh, Men, you will bless your wife. Do you want to bless your wives? I mean, you bless your wife when you'll sit and listen to her. Uh, you bless yourself as well, but, but, but it's a blessing to your wife. She, 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 you need to listen to what she has to say. It's valuable and important. It's a critical part of the process. And ladies, you bless your husband when you trust him, when you trust him. And so number one, if a, if a woman is seeking to have a godly marriage, she needs to be submissive. Number two, she needs to be pure. And so let's just go back to our text. We've, we just read 22 through 24. We previously had read 25. So let's pick up in verse 26. He's giving a command uh, to the husband. We're picking up in the middle of the command, but you'll get the idea. It says to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And and so maybe it's hard to see that in context without the context, Uh, but he's talking about how uh, Christ wanted the church to be holy and blameless. He was interested in the purity of the church. The church is the bride, the wife really of Christ. And it's saying that husbands ought to be interested in the spiritual maturity and the purity of their wives. And we talked about that last week, but, but what does it mean from? from a wife's point of view, it means this ladies, you need to have a commitment to purity and holiness and godliness. See, the Bible says that the husband is to be the spiritual leader of the family. There's there's no question about that. And you find that throughout the pages of Scripture. And and, and that means a lot of things. It means something in the family. It means something in the church. That's why we have men who are pastors. Because if I'm the spiritual, if I'm worth the spiritual leader of my family, I couldn't be the spiritual leader of the church. But, But it says that husbands have been assigned that role to be the spiritual leaders. But listen, ladies. I think we see in this verse... and. And we see for, the how, for how things work out in, 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 in marriages, I think wives are the purity leaders. You see, what, there's a difference here. The man has to be the spiritual leader. He's to lead out in spiritual things. But I think the wife is the purity leader. Most of us, if we were honest, we would have to admit that our wives are more sensitive to sin than we are. Uh, Maybe you won't want to come back and hear me as your pastor, but let me just tell you, my wife is more sensitive to sin than I am. And so, uh, uh, ladies, you will pull your husband one direction or the other uh, when it comes to purity. You're going to have an influence in his life. And if you're committed to purity you will be a blessing to your husband. That'll be one of the most valuable things. Listen, ladies, it'll be one of the most valuable things your husband has if you're committed to personal purity and purity for your family. Now, let me show you that in Proverbs. Listen to this. I want to read three or four Proverbs and and see if you see the the thread that runs through these. Proverbs 31.10, who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. It says, men, if you could find a noble, godly woman, she is going to be so valuable to you. Not because she's a woman, but because she's godly and she's pure and she has noble character. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty two: a beautiful woman who rejects good sense, and that's speaking of moral sense, purity, is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. So I don't know. How much you know about pigs, but you got them all, you know, rolling around in the mud. You go out and buy a really nice thousand dollar golden ring and put it in the pig's snout. You don't improve the pig very much. And, and, and what he's saying is if, if you, you can have the most beautiful wife in the world, but if, she's, if she doesn't have a commitment to purity, she is worthless to you. Uh, Proverbs 12, 4. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. But a wife who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 31:30, 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. And the praise there is talking about praise from her family and her husband. So if you just sum those things up, here's what it says. Men, if you have a wife who's committed to purity, that's going to be a treasure chest for you for the rest of your days. But if your wife is not committed to purity, it's going to be a rottenness or a cancer in your bones. Listen, ladies, one of the best things you can do for your marriage, for the godliness of your marriage and your husband is to be committed to purity and godliness. That's your role. Number three, you need to be affectionate. Uh, Look at verse 31. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Now we looked at this verse last week from the perspective of a husband. Uh, Let's look at it from the perspective of a wife. Uh, The first thing this means to become one flesh from the perspective of a wife is a wife's number one commitment should be to her marriage and her family. Uh, Careers are good ministries hobbies friends are all good, but marriage has to be first Ladies marriage has to be first. You need to recognize that God has Designed you and God has gifted you to be the relationship Expert in your home. You're the communication expert. You're the nurturer. You're the family expert and so you're your family needs you to put the family first. They're, you have capacity that your husband doesn't have. If you don't put your family first, they will suffer for it. Uh, Proverbs 14:1 says, every wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her hands. See, ladies, the men may be the spiritual leaders of the home, but you are the builders of the home. And the Bible says that a woman builds the home. And the Bible says that a woman can tear down the home because it's the woman who is the expert at family and relationships and communication and and nurturing. To be one flesh means you are committed first to your marriage and your family. Number two, it means that a wife is to be interested in her husband's interests. Uh, Men have been given uh, this uh, this need now, ladies did you know that men are needy <laughs> but some of that's not our fault right men need their wives now god will call some men to singleness uh, god will take for some men god will take their wives first and and god certainly will uh, be their comfort and their peace if that's the case uh, but men have been created with a need for a wife Genesis 2 18, the creation of man. Uh, God says it is not good for man to be alone. And every man said, Amen, Amen. right? So God said, I will make a helper corresponding to him. So I, I could confess to all kinds of things here. I, so when Don and I go on a road trip, and we went on one this week, and I was so uh, impressed with my wife, she stayed awake the entire time, which is uh, unusual. So usually, we get it. We get in the car and we all we're all set to go. And I, I live on a on a street that's about uh, two tenths of a mile long, but usually by the time we get to the end of the street, everybody's asleep, <laughs> and I'm so aggravated. So I'm trying to get my wife to wake up and wake up. So she'll find she'll okay. I'm, I'll stay awake. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't want to talk about anything. I just want you to be awake. I just just sit there she'll turn the radio on and start singing oh I turn it off I don't want to hear you sing if I want to hear somebody singing I just turn the radio on myself I mean they're great singers all over the radio <laughs> well what do you want to talk about what do you want to talk about I, I don't know you talk I'll just listen now I've got a I've just I said I have a need for my wife I just I just need her to be there we'll be we'll be cooking and and I'll go out to start start the grill and I say well why don't you why don't you come out with me what do you need no <laughs> just need you to come out. I just need you to stand there while I light the grill. I read a, I read a book and it it was a Christian book, but there, there, a lot of marriage books, they call Christian books and they're not, but this, this one was, was helpful. Uh, it, it, it went through and it, through surveys, they had determined what are the top three needs of men and they had determined what the top three needs of women, of wives were. And, uh, the, the real import of the book is that, uh, none of the things on the man's list were on the woman's list. And so that's one of the problems sometimes in marriage. We men think they have the same needs that we have and vice versa. But you know what the, what the three needs that men had is they surveyed. This is, I don't have a Bible verse for this, but, but this was their, their experience, their study. Uh, one was a need for intimacy that won't surprise you that that was on the top of the list, but, uh, the other two companionship and respect and uh, they, they surveyed tens of thousands of men and they found that most men if they had intimacy they had companionship just they, they just needed a wife with them and they were respected and admired by their wife that they were perfectly content now it's interesting the women had completely a completely different top three and men if you'd like to know what that is for a hundred dollars in the parking lot <laughs> I'll give you their list no, ladies, uh, to be one flesh means that you don't have just completely different interests. You need to be that you need to have some of the same interests. You need to cultivate the interest that your husband has. And then a, a third part of that is um, to be one flesh is uh, is is affection. It is intimacy. Uh, this verse here, uh, verse 31, is a quote of what we read in Genesis two twenty-four, And there it is specifically uh, oriented toward a sexual union. Uh, we know because you've heard it taught through the years that uh, uh, sexuality is a gift that God has given married men and women. But know this, God has not only given us that gift, he has given us the need for that gift. Does that make sense? God, God didn't just give us the gift. He gave us a need for that gift. And that's why the gift is so valuable. Proverbs 5, 18 through 19 says, let it, it's to men. It says, let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her always satisfy you be lost in her love forever. Listen, uh, to be uh, to be a godly wife that contributes to a godly marriage, you need to be affectionate. Well, number four, you need to be respectful. Let's look back at uh, v- Ephesians 5, the last verse. Verse 33, to sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. I, I love this verse because it just puts these these two roles right next to each other. A husband is to love. Uh, here he says to love His wife, as he does himself, we talked about how we figure out what that means last week. So if you weren't here, go back and listen to that, men. Uh, But it basically means you're sacrificial. You pay attention to your wife and you're sacrificial in your love for your wife. And it says that wives are to respect, to admire their husbands. Husbands, men, thrive on admiration. Now some women are very disappointed that they don't have the leader husbands they wish they had. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. And uh, I'm not saying, ladies, that if you don't have that, that it's your fault. But listen, some women don't have leader husbands because their wives have shot them down at every turn. Men uh, need to be encouraged. Men need to be admired. A husband is typically, not always, but typically just what his wife calls him. And if his wife calls him lazy and inconsiderate and selfish, he will rise to the occasion of those three things. And if a woman, a wife whom he loves, calls him hardworking, committed to the family, and godly, he will rise to the occasion. I heard a story about a governor and his wife traveling through a a rural town in their state and just visiting uh, different places and meeting different people. And they were in some, some event and the wife holding on to her governor husband, she spotted somebody she knew. He was the garbage man. Nothing wrong with being a garbage man, but she spotted him and and he was dressed in his uniform. She recognized him as a a garbage man and she whispered in her husband's ear and she said, I know that fellow back there. He was my high school sweetheart. He was my first love. I haven't seen him in decades. And the governor feeling a little bit of uh, arrogance or pride whispered back in her ear and said, well, aren't you glad you didn't marry him? If you married him, you would be the wife of the garbage man. And she leaned back over and spoke in his ear and said, no, if I would have married him, he would be the governor. (laughs) Now they say, (laughs) there's probably a lot of truth to that. That's why it's funny, right? It's sort of a nervous laughter. They say behind every great man is a great woman. The truth is this. The biblical truth is this. Behind every great man is an admiring wife. Now, I I am in no way excusing any kind of affair. Affairs are always wrong. Never rationalize an affair. If Somebody has an affair, they've sinned. But, But let me explain something about affairs. Generally, when a man has an affair, well, let's start with a woman. When a woman has an affair, do you know who it is with more times than not? This doesn't excuse it at all. But do you know when a woman has an affair who she has an affair with? A man who will listen to her. I've seen it a hundred times. Uh, Women are drawn to men who will listen to them and understand and be attentive. We, We talked about it last week. It's right there in the word. When men have affairs, it's usually with women who admire them. Men are drawn to people who admire them. Now, ladies, I I, I don't want that to seem foolish to you, but God, just as he has made you with certain needs that your husband needs to be attentive to and understand, and he needs to encourage you in those areas. Men have needs, and one of those is, is is to have a cheerleader for a wife. Have somebody who is in their corner, someone who will, who will push them on, someone who will encourage and admire. And so what it says, as it sums this up, men, don't forget, love your wives. And ladies, don't forget, be respectful and read admiring before your husband. Now why is this important? Why are we spending so many weeks? Why are we delving into some pretty controversial verses here that surely will generate some letters that I won't want to read? Listen, because there are few things more important than the family. So goes our families, so goes our children. So goes our family, so goes our church. So goes our family, so goes our nation. And there are few things, there are few things that will bring honor and glory to God more than a family that loves him, A family that that lives by the book. And I want my family to be one of those families. And I want your family to be the same way. Head bowed, eyes closed. With nobody moving around, please be as still as you can. I want to say something else. And and, and I I just want everybody's attention, but I I don't want you to look. in. I don't want there to be any distractions. I know we have a lot of different kinds of families in our church. And the Lord made me extra sensitive to that this week. Uh, We have single moms that are here that are are fighting the fight the best they can. Love the Lord, who, who are in situations that are hard and unfair and unfortunate. Listen, let me say to single moms or single dads, listen, you hang in there. God knows. And don't think that that God's not going to intervene on your behalf and bless you and bless your children in a special way. I believe he will. I didn't mean you've, you, you've got an easy path, but I don't want you to feel left out by our church, and I certainly don't, you, don't want you to be to feel left out by our Lord. My God is the father of the fatherless. He'll be the husband to the single woman. He'll be the wife to the single man. God... God will fill the gaps if you just walk with him. Some of you here, you're estranged from your parents or you're estranged from your children. And to hear these messages on family, some of you, your marriages are just so rocky, you're here at church by yourself, your husband or wife, he or she doesn't come, doesn't have an interest in coming. And and some of the things that we talk about, they're they're just daggers to you. Listen, listen, Hang in there. God has a heart for those who suffer. God loves those who are downtrodden. God will intervene on your behalf. Just stay faithful. But a lot of us are in here and, and we've got a family, we've got a marriage. It's a, a more traditional. Hey, let's not take that for granted. There are few things that we could talk about this morning that are more applicable to you than what we've talked about today, last week, next week. Let's don't take for granted this valuable thing of family and marriage, but let's commit it to the Lord and let's be Bible people in this respect. Father, uh, thank you for, for, for loving your children. And providing for us in in, in every way. Thank you that salvation can be ours and we can be your children uh, because we've put our trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And Father, thank you for men and women in our church who have a desire to have a family, whatever that family may look like, to have a family that's most pleasing to you. And I pray you'll bless men and trying their best to do it your way and bless women trying their best to do it your way that you bless single moms and you you bless people who are here without their spouse because their spouse doesn't attend church, uninterested in spiritual things. And may you be honored in all of our families, all of our families. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.